Hello and welcome to the Knowledge Without College podcast. This is your host, Patrick Butler. And today, I got a really fun episode to share with you. I just had a fantastic conversation with a gentleman named Jason Jean. Jason is the owner of a company called Tattered Beans, which is a coffee company that gives back to first responders, veterans, and active duty service members. Uh, we talk about a variety of things, mostly entrepreneurship, and we cover a lot of the counterintuitive advice that entrepreneurs eventually figure out with time. And uh, we talk about where a lot of people go wrong, uh, how to run a business based on values and passion as opposed to paying attention to you know insignificant metrics and uh, you know things like that. So I had a really fun time talking to Jason. He's an amazing guy, great energy about him, and I think you're going to love this episode and learn a ton. So please, without further delay, enjoy this episode with Jason Jean. Jason, thank you so much for joining us. It's, it's a real honor to have you on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, I think it's going to be a, a good conversation. Cool, man. So I, I do too. Uh, so I'm curious for the audience out there who maybe is not familiar with your work already. Could you share a little bit about your story, a little bit about your background and, and what you're working on right now? So uh, plenty plus years of uh, being an entrepreneur. Um, I made my first million uh, shortly after my 30th birthday, and that was one of my goals. Uh, and I achieved it about four months in. Um, and then I was um, lucky enough to lose it, um, declared bankruptcy, um, was educated very quickly uh, about uh, Goliath and uh, trying to fight a, a multi-billion dollar company, worldwide company. Um, then I remade it, made a, made a, uh, made it again up top and then uh, was educated to learn to really ask the right questions. Um, when you meet an attorney, um, just don't assume uh, that they know everything or if they're going to be doing their job. Um, so that mistake uh, cost me my second bankruptcy. Um, and then I always say that my third time <laughs> making, making my third million, uh, or, you know, I guess you'd say that uh, millionaire or whatever you would say, uh, I guess is, is a lot better, you know? Um, but even with that, you know, I, I have to fast forward 15 years and, um, even from my second one to my third one, um, you know, we had an attorney make another mistake and it, you know, now this one we were able to financially get ourselves out of, uh, pay some fines and, and, uh, you know, take a, you know, slap on the wrist. Um, but again, it was taking that, uh, information that that attorney had given us, but I even went and did my own, um, uh, learning from the, the first situation. Uh, I went and did my own research and then laid everything out 
and then gave it to her. And then that's where the, you know, the bad information came from. So we got, you know, we got educated by the Securities and Exchange Commission uh, very quickly. <laughs> they, they have a tendency to do that. They're, they're really, yes, they uh, yes. And let me tell you, their, their, their manila folder package looks incredibly professional with that really nice stamp that they put on it, you know? It looks mm-hmm. great. Um, but I think that's one thing um, that I find in all these business gurus and all this stuff that nobody talks about their failures. No one talks about, you know, um, I, don't know I, I guess for, you know, uh, an old adage, you know, getting your tit in a ringer. Mm-hmm. No one talks about that. Uh, they, everyone wants to, you know, look on Instagram and look at their fake jet or look at their Lamborghini or look at this and look how great I'm doing. And well, what was a span to have gotten you there? Cause the last time I looked, I wanted a Maserati and it took me almost 17 years to get it. Yes. Yeah. You know, why aren't, why aren't people talking about all the ups and downs or they'll say, Oh, I had it really rough. Really talk about your story. You know, tell other young entrepreneurs that are 20, 22 or ones that I mentor, uh, you know, you have to be honest with them and, and, uh, talk to them about the ups and downs of, of being a, a business owner. Because unfortunately what I've seen, especially some that I had mentored over the years and ones that I have lost a lot of money on is as I was, uh, as I was becoming successful, I made financial, um, uh, I guess, stupid plays because I looked at other, uh, back then in, in, in 2000 or so, uh, and other successful business people. So, you know, if they had four cars, I, I should have four cars, <laughs> you know, if they yeah. got a 5,000 square foot, I, I should have a 5,000 square foot house, you know? So, and then I started to learn as I taught more, I talked to them that it was like, Ooh, we should really, you know, scale back, you know, make sure you're saving your money these guys are 20 years older than I am, of course, you know, and, and my business is doing, you know, 4 million a year and they're doing 120 million a year. Like, so early on my brain wasn't computing and I didn't have the college education uh, to educate me on that. And I don't know if it would have, you know, I, I haven't talked to many other uh, MBA uh, friends that I have, you know, who have said, man, I would take your education over my education any day. Cause I'm the one, you know, I, I'm the one that, you know, you, I learned, you know, you, yeah. it was hard. It was the hard way. I mean, certainly I had to dust myself off a few times, but I learned in the trenches, you know, and, and got dirty that way. I love that because I think that's what it takes to be a real entrepreneur from what you just told me, like the being able to bounce back from multiple bankruptcies and continue at it. That's really like what it takes. And I think a lot of people don't see that side of it so much. Like you mentioned, like people don't normally talk about the dark times because they're usually focused on those unicorns. Like they hear about Apple, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, they hear the story of how that happened, how people like Steve Jobs, Mark Zuckerberg, they get super rich, super young, uh, you know, on their first real business venture. And people really like focus on that, but they're not really focused on the, or they don't hear as much about the brutal, uh, bloodbath that it takes to really be a, a successful entrepreneur and even usually the bad stories that happen to those successful entrepreneurs. Well, they're embarrassed. Like I, I wear my, I own my shit. I'm not embarrassed at all. I mean, and, and that's one thing is one, I openly talk about it too. So no one can break my balls on the internet or anything. <laughs> what mm-hmm. you're going to say, I, have, I went bankrupt. I talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Own it. So yeah. yeah. So that's the one thing that, that disappoints me in a lot of entrepreneurs is that one that holds them back because they're afraid of failure because of what people are going to think of them. 
Mike, who gives a shit? Who cares what people are going to think of you? First of all, if they're going to think bad about you, they shouldn't be in your circle anyways. The ones that you want in your circle are the ones who be like, hey, it's all right. Pick yourself up. Come on. You can, you know, what's your next great idea? Get going at it. They're the ones that you want in your circle. The ones that are talking behind your back, they should be dead to you anyways. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I'm curious about your businesses. What, what, so right now you're, you're in the coffee industry. Uh, yeah. did you, were you always in the coffee industry? I wasn't. Um, I've always had, uh, I've had restaurants and cafes and that. And, um, prior to my cancer diagnosis last September, uh, we had had cafes. Um, and that was part of that SEC issue. Uh, we had multiple cafes, but, um, had a, uh, investor issue, um, that they helped us close some down. So I had one, we kept one open and, at that point, um, I was diagnosed, like I said, in September and, uh, I had went to, you had spoken with Amanda and she's like my right hand person, you know? So she's like my personal assistant, but she helps run the companies. Um, so she's extremely influential to me. And so I went to her and said, listen, we have this coffee brand under the cafe that's associated with it. And we became central PA's like main fundraising coffee hub. And, um, I said, so, I want to feed off of that. We'll rebrand it. And I want to give back to vets. And here's my, here's my concept. Here's my idea. So she thought it was a great idea. And then I said, I need to, um, let's get, compile all the numbers, what we're buying the coffee. Cause we, we co-package, you know, it took us two years to find that company. I wanted somebody that could, you know, package what we needed. Um, if we needed to drop ship directly from there, we could, um, we could do all of our own, labels and all that they print um and if we wanted to uh come up with our own blend we have that capability also uh, or we could use one of their successful ones so much like any smart entrepreneur i'm not going to reinvent the wheel i'm not going to go out waste money and in uh teach myself how to roast getting a warehouse um buying the roaster um and doing all that so for me it was like i will pay a little bit more for them to, to do what they do great I'll do what we do great so at that point um, tatter beans was um, alive the concept and then we came up with the pricing and then I needed to build a website because my goal was to give cash back to vets um, and now we added active duty members and first responders and we all know the pay gap Listen, it's, it's in the internet. I mean, it's on the news organizations. Um, everyone talks about it, what a firefighter makes or, or active duty military and where the veterans um, with their disabilities and stuff like that are. So for me, being a disabled vet, I said, how can I you know, help that? So from an entrepreneurial standpoint, I said, well, the coffee was selling for this. We looked at uh, what other boutique coffee was selling for on the internet. We raised our price up to that. And I said, what we were already selling at to what the, uh, the new price is will cut that money directly back to the vets as cash. And by doing that, we built a website and put profiles on our website so that people could shop under multiple profiles. And then when they check out, then it gives us a list of who uh, they bought coffee under. And then at the end of each month, we tally that up and we send them checks. I love that. I think it's such a great cause too. And I, I, 
think that your your business model is basically taking a product that people love and are going to drink every day because they're addicted to it. At least I am coffee, uh, and then putting a good cause behind it. It's it's a beautiful thing. Well, you know, and the thing is, is like I said, I use the word entrepreneur in there because if you look at it from a sales standpoint, because I openly talk. First of all, we are a for-profit company, totally transparent. Um, I know how the 501c3s work. Uh, we've registered them before. And so instead of me taking, doing the exact same concept and doing it as a 501c3 and hiding everything, I say, listen, here's the deal. 12 bucks for a bag of coffee, $4, that goes right back to a vet. Uh, and we, we take a dollar. We, we run the company on a dollar. There you go. I don't have to answer to anybody. I don't have mm-hmm. to have anyone question. You know, I don't have to have my wife work for me and my two kids and my dogs and, you know, give them paychecks so that I can, you know, take more money out of the company. You know, you know, you've read it. Yeah. You know? And it's not only just veteran type things. I mean, you're talking all kinds of fundraising companies that, that do that, you know, um, we won't name them, but there's enough out there where they're always, you know, questioning the CEO making hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars on a non-profit uh, company. Um, so with that said, um, what we ended up doing is just taking the business model, the concept of uh, multi-level marketing, which are, you know, you know as well as I do, complete scams. Um, you know, hey, I'm going to, why don't you give me $500? I'm going to send you a box full of saran wrap. You sell it to all your friends on, on Facebook. And then... <laughs> you're going to put that in your closet because you're going to lose your $500 investment and we'll just go on to the next person, the next person, the next person until that all, you know, all crumbles and then we'll come up with something new and we'll just keep doing it. So since I obviously despise that, uh, my concept was, Oh, how can I take that same, same mentality of people wanting a secondary income and say, listen, you don't have to buy anything from me. Not a thing. You don't have to buy a coffee sample pack. You don't have to buy coffee from me at all. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to get you on my website and I'm going to give you a free link that you can tell everybody about it. And you sit back and collect a check. That's all I need you to do. You just put a profile up as long as you're uh, active duty, first responder, or uh, honorably discharged veteran, you're going to get a link and you can do whatever you want with it. That's amazing. Different. Uh, what kind? Of, what kind of? It's it's different, and I think it's a great approach. It's still what works from network marketing because I, you know, I'm with you. I, I uh, you know, years and years ago, you know, I came in contact with a network marketing company, and while the the whole system is like, you know, does not work out for everybody, and, and it probably doesn't work out for anybody the way they ultimately wanted to. Uh, there are some pieces of it that work like that viral sort of social sharing, that sort of stuff. Um, what kind of success have you seen with that model? Great success. I mean, it's been now the, the only difference that I'm having with say the, well, um, the average American who hasn't, you know, been in the military or, you know, a vet or, or a first responder is that we're dealing with very highly charged, uh, prideful, uh, people. So from our standpoint, um, it looks like a donation, like people are donating to these people to make them better or whatever. Um, and from my standpoint, we try to push the business side. Like, listen, it's a secondary income. Don't be ashamed of it. You know, get on the website, 
talk about it, get people to buy coffee from you, and you'll sit back and collect a check. So once we get that, we have to change, we have to re-educate their mind to say it's okay. It's not a donation. You know, no one's looking at it from a standpoint that you need money or anything like that. It's a, it's a secondary income. No different than you selling that saran wrap to your friends on Facebook. Do the exact same thing. Um, but just be mindful that you didn't have to put $300, $500, $1,200. You don't have to buy so much a month for you to keep your subscription or whatever it's called to, you know, be part of that marketing, you know, thing. It's just like, if you want to be a go-getter, go get it. Get on it. Get on that horse, ride it, man, and go after it. But what's the old adage? You can't lead a horse to water and make a drink, right? Mm-hmm. So. I mean, that's, we have those too, you know, we have people with profiles that, you know, uh, believe in the mission. Um, but you know, they're, they might be a little bit more reserved and we totally understand that. And then we have other people who they're, you know, messages us saying, Hey, can we, can I, can I sell commercially? Can, you know, can you give me, you know, wholesale pricing numbers so that I can, you know, from a commercial standpoint, go and sell five pound bags or, or backpacks and we're like, hell yeah, man, we'll, we'll work with you. You know, we'll do whatever we can to help you out. So, so you do have some flexibility with your, with your program. I love Absolutely. That. Any company needs it, right? Yeah, of course. You need just the right amount. That's all one of those double-edged swords too much. And, and you're, you know, bending over for everybody, not enough. And uh, you're, you're probably putting yourself in a straitjacket. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Amen to that. So, so one thing that I've gathered so far from, from just this short conversation is that you, when you're, your approach to business is to keep it simple. Yeah. How else, how else do you apply that principle in your business? How, how else do you try and keep things simple? Oh, um, it didn't matter if like I was never big on reinventing the wheel. So I had learned early on, uh, by, um, one of my partners in my housing development. Um, I thought that partnering with him, I was just going to suck his brain dry. You know, he, cause he was 30, 30 plus years older than I was. And he was a house, he had his own, he was a developer. So I remember us sitting down, we partnered up and we purchased the land and I sit down, I got my notebook and I'm ready to just suck his brain dry. Cause that's just the type of person I am. And uh, yeah, he looked right dead me right in the eyes and said, yeah, no, you just, I just want to check. I just expect you to go out there and do it and write me a check. And I was like, wait, are you kidding me? He's like, no, he goes, let me give you some advice. He goes, people love to talk about what they do because a lot of people don't. And man, he was right. He was so right. So, um, I went to the township and and I called and and I just started asking questions. And I remember keeping this young lady on the phone for at least an hour, you know, who, who was I going to have to deal with from the township? What were they like? What was, um, you know, the electric uh, as far as, you know, the company that was going to supply the electric underground electric, um, do they have any people that they don't like to work with? Uh, why isn't there gas in that area of the town? Um, and, oh, she just filled me with so much information. And, and by listening to her, I was able to guide myself in the right way and ask those particular companies the right questions. And so this development had failed multiple times prior to me. And I was able to make it a a huge success because I asked the right questions. Um, I didn't reinvent the wheel. I went to those companies and negotiated with them. I didn't go in there and make 
any demands whatsoever with the township or the or those other companies. And from that standpoint, it was a huge success. So that helped me learn uh, further when I got into other businesses to communicate, ask, don't demand. Um, you know, you can you can read it in how many articles you know you take like a big company like walmart you know and they just go into a, a place and think they're just going to bulldoze you know um a little government uh, a little township into you know they're going to allow a you know one to go in there and then they mm -hmm. wonder you know three four years later you know it's finally going in there because you know it, it's it's by law allowed to go there like they, they can't stop it they can just make it really really hard so for me i don't like those battles it was always Every problem has a solution. Let's come to the solution. I, I'll, I'll bend a little bit. Are you willing to bend a little bit? If I'm willing to bend, you got to bend. Um, and as long as we both feel confident and warm and fuzzy, it's going to be a successful project. That's how yeah, I learned. Be, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. It's got to be a win-win or else it's not a, it's not a win at all. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. How many deals have you been on being successful like yourself where you walk in and you can just tell it's going to be completely one-sided? Oh yeah. It's uh, it's bound to happen. You know, you talk right. to a lot of, whether it's a, a customer or a, or a, you know, a partner that you want to work with or whatever, like there's uh, whenever I have the sense that it's not going to be a give and take, it's just going to be a give. It's like immediately, you know, you want to cast those people out. You want to stop that deal altogether. And that goes for, you know, business and just, you know, if you, someone approaches you on the street, just asking for money. It's a one-way relationship. It's right. like, uh, this isn't going to work. At least play some music or something, right? Absolutely. Do something. <laughs> oh my God, that's the best. But listen, so, so based off of that comment right there, Tattered Beans, the way I built it and why I built it was that, because I, it, this is me personally too, I donate so much. And I get sick and tired of going to the store and they said, you want to give a dollar to here? You want to give a dollar there? So my mentality on the, on the part of, of tattered beans and the donation portion of it is like, you are buying a bag of coffee at the same price that other people are basically buying a bag of coffee, but you're donating $4 back or whatever percentage on the other commercial based stuff is you're donating that back, but you're getting something for your money. And that's been the easiest sell for us because I use this a lot. If, if I went to the store, if I went to CVS or Walgreens or whatever, and they said, would you like a donate a dollar to whatever charity? If they gave me a, a lollipop, I would donate that buck every, all day, every day mm -hmm. because it's a psyche thing. It's our mind. It's like, Oh, okay. That, that's fine. I mean, that, you know, that lollipop costs 25 cents. So in theory, I'm giving you 75. So I get it. I'm cool with that. My brain would, my brain would tell me that, but when it says, give me a dollar, what for, where's it going? Now my brain wants to ask 50 different questions. Who's getting it? You know, what's it going to, does it actually work? You know, um, are, are people benefiting from it? So from that standpoint, you give me a lollipop, I could care less. I'm going to give you a buck. You do with a seven, my 75 cents, whatever you want to do with it. But I chose to make that, that contribution based off of getting something for it. Yeah, it's it's almost like psychologically you need the value exchange to be even, even though if you broke it down financially, it'd be the same thing. It, there, there's certainly a benefit to having a psychological like equilibrium on the transaction. 
Yes. Totally with you. Yeah. Um, so t- tell me, um, like, did you f- always feel like an entrepreneur? Like in your, you know, growing up, you know, when you're in the military, like, were you always driven to be an entrepreneur? Is that something that sort of came out of nowhere? So not necessarily nowhere. Um, I grew up with some really hardworking parents. Um, so we, so the family was always instilled with a good work ethic. Uh, I guess my first job, I, you know, I had a paper route. Um, who to this day, I have to thank my mom because I was always in sports. So if I had practice or I had something else going on, you know, my mom worked and she delivered my papers, you know, um, when I couldn't. And then the days that I could, you know, um, I did it. And, you know, so God love her for, for doing that. And, and so being instilled with those hard work ethic, the, you know, the, the work ethic skills uh, was great. So then from that standpoint, I guess the second business I had was in high school. And I've said, I've said this a few times um, about we were really good in football that year. So I was playing off of the heartstrings of being good and people, you know, loving that high. So I made little football helmets. Now I, I think I'm a lot older than you. So the cars back then had, you know, their antennas and these little emblems on the front of their cars. Yeah, you, you might have seen them. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Uh, so we, I took those and, and super glued bolts, and then took off the emblem and then put the little football helmet, you know, on there that I made look like uh, our high school. So mm-hmm. that was my, I guess, first true uh, business that I had done. And then uh, I didn't really get back on that particular wagon um, until probably, I think I was married. It was our first year of being married and somebody had hired me because I'd always been in construction. Someone had hired me to help build their home. So I became like a, a subcontractor to him. So that was really the first time that I, you know, garnished a check for myself, you know, based on something that, you know, technically I owned, which was technically myself, um, and was able to profit from that. And then from there, uh, it actually was mostly thrown on us because I was working at a handcrafted furniture manufacturer in uh, State College, PA, and our oldest daughter had some medical issues when she was born. So having to take off from there, um, to care for the, for our, our daughter, uh, sort of pushed me, you know, uh, because there wasn't an option to go back at the end. Cause I was off so long. So it was just natural for that standpoint to be like, I, you know, I'm going to go in business for myself because I like uh, the flexibility that I can start my day over whenever I want. I can work as much as I want or as little as I want. Uh, it gave me that flexibility. So I, I think that's, you know, uh, one of the, it's obviously one of the best parts about, you know, entrepreneurship is, is the flexibility and being able to work, you know, how much you want and when you want, how long was it until you realized that you got to be in it all the time? You know, uh, it usually catches up eventually. It's like, Oh, this isn't, you know, a lot of people think entrepreneurship, like I'm trading my nine to five. It's like, yeah, you're, you're trading it for like, yeah, 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 exactly. Dude, it was, let me tell you, uh, I, that's probably one of my biggest mistakes that I've, that I've had to learn from, uh, was, and I use this analogy a lot now when I talk to people, you know, your, your business, uh, you're either married to it or it's married to you. And you generally want the second one, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know, 
you want to be able to call the shots. Um, you know, so you have to work to get that business marriage to that level. Um, but most people get stuck being married to the business. And that's what you and I had just said. It's 24 7, 365. And so, unfortunately, early on for me, I liked to work and I liked money. And I had that goal to be a millionaire by the time I was 30. So, the mistakes that I made at that point was I worked all the time. So, my family took second, third, fourth, and maybe 100 fiddle to that, to my work. Now, given, you know, we had four wheelers and jet skis and boats and motorcycles and four cars and a chopper and a big house. And, you know, man, we had tons of money, but I was kissing my kid's head, you know, in the morning before I went to work. And when I got back at night, they were in bed both times. So it wasn't until a near death experience that it pulled my head out of my butt. And I was like, okay, I have to learn to manage things better and make the family time still work to 24 7 365 but i'm going to take two hours here and i'm going to focus nothing but you know on my family and my kids or my wife or whatever was going on at that point in time but knowing that you know okay i gave you guys this time here i need to get back into the office and you know do my next four or five hours or whatever um so once i learned and we learned that it made things a lot better you know, within the family, um, mm -hmm. as I was able to truly focus on that time and not, and, and realize, because I'm telling you, man, these, these cell phones were the death of us. Um, you know, you know, it, I know it. it's people want instant, uh, communication. God forbid you don't have it or you turn it off for a couple hours and you've got 40 messages and 30 emails. And, you know, it's just like, I want two hours. So I've learned to just really focus. And that's what I try to explain to people is like, give yourself that little bit of time, that little bit of time. But you, you have to realize that you own a business. You might have employees or you might have things that you gotta, you gotta hustle. You gotta keep hustling, but man, it learned to manage your time so much better. Would you be willing to tell the story of that near death experience? And the reason why I ask is I, I'm surprised to hear you say that because I've, I started to notice a trend with a lot of entrepreneurs I've talked to where there was some large moment that sort of shook them out of their pattern that made them sort of approach business in a different way. And so I'd love to sort of extract that out of, out of what your experience was. So uh, I had the housing development and we had lived in another city about an hour or so away. And I had an office uh, in Williamsport, which was just, you know, outside of where my housing development was. And, and we were doing a lot of commercial work and you know, we were doing millions of dollars at the time. And so I was on my way home uh, from, from my job site office. And there was a home that we were building a really big, huge one um, in between the two cities. So I had stopped by and my supervisor was there and he was um, working on a, a roof out front. And so uh, the house had three staircases and then the big oak one in the center wasn't in yet. Now I did tell my, my crew, I'm like, get safety railing up around that staircase, you know, and they didn't. And uh, so it was a walkway around to the front of the window. There's this huge window uh, on the front of the house. So 
it was like 5.30 at night or so. And I, I told my supervisor, I'm like, here, give me that two by 10. I'll pull it in the window for you. Let's get out of here, you know? Because he lived in the same, near the same city I did. And so uh, I pulled it in the window and two steps backwards, 22 feet later, I was laying in the basement. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I broke myself in half. I had a spinal cord injury. Um, the electricians um, to this day heard the, heard the clanking, which was the two by 10 hitting the walls and that coming down. So they turned cause they were in the basement working and they said they turned and then all of a sudden they were like, Holy shit, Jake, it was you. And, um, they said I landed on my left butt cheek and I bounced right up to my feet. And they said, I looked around and I tried to walk, but my pelvis was broken. So I fell right over to my face. So, um, took me by ambulance to the local hospital and then they life flighted me down to um, Hershey, Pennsylvania. And my wife, um, you know, she tells a story, you know, Keith, uh, who I love to this day, you know, um, he, uh, he called her. He's just like, you know, Russ, there's, there's been an accident. And she says the first thing out of, out of her mouth was, is he alive? You know, so if, you know, thank, thank the good Lord that I am because again, it, it gave me that second chance to be a better father and husband and wife and all that, be a better boss. Um, because I realized that I can, um, make a lot of money still, but turn my give focus to other things. Um, and realize that if somebody wants to cut a deal because I'm at my daughter's, you know, soccer game at the time or, you know, at a play, I don't want to do business with them. Like mm -hmm. there's no attorneys there at night at eight o'clock at night. Why, you know, why are you breaking my balls? <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> I'm in my kid's thing. Like we'll talk tomorrow at nine or 10 or whatever. Then we'll close the deal. But we've become so uptight that uh, people think like, Oh, we got to do it now. Well, no, we can, we can agree to it. Like we'll finish it in the morning. And that's what that particular instant uh, had done to me is it gave me that knowledge and the realization that things can wait till tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really important thing because all too often, in, you know, when you, you know, you hear entrepreneurial gurus or whatever, people that own businesses, they're always talking about the grind and the hustle. And, and it's really, it's just a, you know, again it's like a two-sided thing you know you, you do have to grind you do have to hustle you can't just sit back and relax but if you do it to the point where you're losing touch with the reality and what you're trying to work for or towards like i imagine you're you're working so hard because you want to provide for your family provide a better life for them not to be completely away from them listen do you know what and again let me preface this i'm 47 so i've been doing this a few, few years there's a difference between the grind and doing the grind right, there's a huge difference. And let me tell you, when I was early on, man, I was, I was grinding. But I look back now, I was, I was taking meetings with people who I should have never even given me my time. So for me now, I value my time. So I mean, I, I will never, ever blow someone off because that's just rude. I don't care how financially uh, at a level I am compared to someone else. I will take the time to talk to them in a snack. What I have learned is back then, I would have let that conversation go into two, three, five, ten conversations because 
what they were, what they wanted is they were at that point, maybe using me as leverage for, you know, to grow their side, to make them look better. Um, you know, look at my God, look at Instagram. Let's be honest, literally. And, and, and now I'm just being a jerk, but <laughs> literally I despise when somebody takes like, somebody maybe famous with a blue mark or whatever, like they'll like someone's pictures, like 10 of them. And then that person thinks so less of themselves that they will circle that person that liked all their pictures and then post their name. Like, Oh my God, so-and-so liked all my pictures. Like, dude, you need to really bring your level of your self-esteem up just a notch or two. <laughs> I mean, and that's just me. And now I'm just being, like I said, I'm being a dick, but I mean, that kills me that it's just like, dude, we all, and again, I'm a, I'm a pretty abrasive, you know, in your face kind of guy. I'm, I'm 5'10", 256 pounds. You know, I'm, I'm not a, you know, I've been around, <laughs> like you and I were making that joke, like Al Pacino, like I've been around. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the thing is, is that too many people, um, don't give themselves enough self-worth. And at the end of the day, we all wipe our butt the same. We really do. Or you can use, we all put on their, our pants the same or whatever, whatever analogy that you want to, you want to use. But that's why I, as a, as an entrepreneur will always give the smaller entrepreneur uh, a chance to talk to me or whatever. And the first thing out of my mouth is like, dude, like we just, I just have years of experience over you. That's it. You know, you're going to be me. You just, you can't be me yet because you've got 15 years of dues that you need to put in, but you'll get here, you know? And for me, it's, it's making, giving them the self-esteem boost, uh, that they need, but compared to, to like the Instagram and all that crap, I mean, it, it's so defeating when these guys, and please, you know, tell me what you think, but when these guys are, you know, looking at these, you know, people with Lamborghinis. Well, first of all, one, get the whole story. And that's the thing I hate about social media is, is it's, it's so full of crap. You know, get the whole story. How did they get it? Did mom and dad have it? <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. is there something underlying that had gotten them ahead of the game? Uh, because I look at entrepreneurship as like going professional in a sport. So, you know, tell me if that's a good analogy. You look at, you know, a division one player, you know, in any sport, it's 1%. They're called a 1% club for a reason, right? So that's the same as being an entrepreneur. 1% or less are going to make it up here, right? Yeah. How, you know, how many billionaires are there? It's a <laughs> comparatively, it's a less than 1% group. And that's for mm -hmm. a reason. So I always say set micro goals. So my micro goal prior to me getting to, you know, making my first million, uh, being a millionaire when I was 30 is I had set micro goals prior to getting up to there. You know, I wanted to do commercial work then I wanted to do this amount then I wanted to do that amount. And I, and I constantly, I wanted to build a hotel and I constantly, you know, rose myself to get to that level. Now everyone's just like, Oh, I want to be a millionaire. Well, no shit. Everybody wants to be a millionaire. <laughs> But, you know, how are you going to get there? You know, what, what tasks are you going to accomplish to get yourself to that point? And the problem with social media is they forget about making all those little micro goals. 
to get to that overall goal. So what happens, Patrick, is that they set this overall major goal, right? And then all of a sudden, life kicks them in the nuts, you know, in year one. And all of a sudden, this goal, they, you know, it's too unachievable. No, it's just you, you got to make a smaller goals to get up to that. So if something bad does happen, then you can handle it. And it won't take you off track. That's probably one of the, the things that I, have, I teach uh, when I mentor the most is setting smaller goals to get to your bigger goal so that you don't feel defeated because this bigger goal might take you 10 years to get to, right? That's a long time to, to keep the steady Eddie going, right? Yeah, and, and that's, uh, you're totally right on with, with the sort of deception on social media because it's rare that you find people or notice people that are sort of in the middle. You know, you see people with the Lamborghini, you see people without the Lamborghini, you know, and you're trying to figure out, uh, you know, people think it's like an instant thing. Kind of like we were talking about earlier about people focus on the unicorns and they focus on like the business success stories, but they don't hear about all the failures and all the, you know, the, all the bad times that, that got to that ultimate good result. Uh, I think you're right on with that. So for, you know, from like your perspective, uh, when you're setting those micro goals, when do you, at what interval do you do that? Do you do it for yourself on a weekly basis, monthly basis, like an annual thing, or like how, how small are those goals? What kind of time frame do you try to operate those goals within? So I set them on each individual project. Um, okay. You know, so now due to my health, I have a lot less projects comparatively to my, I might've had, you know, a year ago or, or whatever. But um, so I particularly set them for each individual company or each individual um, thing that I'm working on. And so what I generally will do is what's the end goal? Like I want to know what the end goal is and whether I have partners or maybe I financed or, or started a business with somebody or gave them money to start a business. I always look at them and be like, what do you want out of this? Like, what is your goal? Like I might be financing you, but what's your goal? <laughs> because I know what my goal might be with this, but that might not be your goal. So I have to ask that as an investor because I need to know, you know, what's my ROI going to be, you know, I, because I never get into something where, you know, if I'm going to lose 50 grand, like I got to be able to walk away from that 50 grand, mm -hmm. you know, uh, because the person I'm, I'm help starting their business, I'm giving them 50 grand. They ain't no way they're going to be paying me back. And, you know, so I have to be able to just completely walk from that, that money. So that's why I'm very, uh, and listen, I still get my, you know, I still lose on people sometimes, you know, and I, I think I'm pretty good of, of a person to judge people, but you know, every once in a while I get caught off guard and, you know, so I make it very clear what our goals are. My goal is obviously get my RO by, back within a certain amount of time I given that time frame and then I find out what their goal is once they tell me their goal that generally will give me an idea of whether I need to walk away or I might have to extend my ROI another year or two because their goals are smaller or maybe they don't want to be as big as I, I had think I had thought so each individual thing I get into we set our goals on that particular project and some you know, generally are made uh, a week from a financial standpoint. We want to see growth each week. Uh, maybe depending on if it's a slower growth, we'll say, let's see growth each quarter. Uh, but 
we generally will set a, a financial um, micro goals to, so that we can monitor all the time. Uh, and then we'll set personal uh, goals. You know, what are you wanting to get better at? Uh, because at the end of the day, you want to see continuous growth uh, mentally within yourself when you're an entrepreneur. So we set, you know, those goals. And one thing I always bring into it is family. Like, because of my, my situation, um, I generally, like, with my cafes and stuff like that, you know, they were done at 3 p.m. One, I didn't want a phone call later on that people weren't coming in and they needed me to come in or anything like that. But I was big so that people could um, shut down and get to uh, an event. So we were very flexible because I wanted to make sure because that family time is very important because let me, let me be honest with you. And people, this is what, this is where the 24, seven, 365 and every, all these people saying, Oh, you got to grind 24 hours. No, let me tell you when you grind 24 hours and you don't give yourself personal time and you don't give yourself family time. Well, let me tell you when those two things fail, because when you're dragging ass and you can't make collective decisions right because you're so tired. And then when you mentally are getting sick of the business because you're so tired and worn out and you're not seeing the gains that you're expecting. And then you take the tiredness on top. Then you start to hate that business. You start to hate the one thing that you're in to, that, that's supposed to bring you happiness and success. Right. And then you take family and now you piss off family and I'm talking you, you have unhappy kids and you have an unhappy wife. Sure. What are you going to do? You're just going to divorce them now or are you going to fight all the time? And then you're going to bring that drama and being pissed off back into the workforce. And then you're going to piss off all your employees or your partners because you know, too many people say, Oh, well, I have problems going on at home and this and that. Well, you know what? Give everything. That's why I say split up your time. So when you're home, you're giving that particular project. And if you want to call them a project or whatever, you're giving that particular project 100% of your time. And then when that is done, boom, you can go back to work and you give that 100% of your time. But the problem is, is that, you know, they're given 20% here and 20% here and 20% there. And get, let me tell you, it looks like it's getting 20%. So when all of these other things start to crumble, guess what ultimately crumbles? The business. It's good. It's so true. And I, it's, uh, the lesson that I think a lot of people sort of learn the hard way and, you know, you telling your story of having that near death experience, clearly, you know, it sometimes it takes a big jolt to really get that through. So now in your life, like, what do you do? Uh, how do you partition your time? How do you track it? How do you decide what is business time? What's personal time, family time, et cetera. Well, one is having someone awesome like Amanda. <laughs> so that definitely helps. Uh, because I mean, you know, she knows me as a person. Um, so when she's doing scheduling and, and stuff like that, and we constantly are talking and like, she knows if, if like, she can tell if I'm off, I can tell if she's off. And like I said, I'm huge on communication. So like, we'll sit there and talk about it. If I know that like mentally, she's just not in it that day. Why am I going to keep her around? Like, dude, take it off. Go, go get yourself right, you know, enjoy the day, do whatever you've got to do to, to, you know, circle yourself back around. And she's the same with me. You know, she knows if something else is going on in my life, maybe with my health or something like that, 
maybe she's just quiet that day. She just knows that my brain is processing, you know, 500 different things. So it's like, she's only going to bring me important stuff, you know, or maybe a feel good situation, you know, to maybe kickstart me. But I mean, for me, at least, I was able to look at partitioning my time in, you know, I, I have a, a, an awesome daughter and a, and a new uh, son-in-law who just had, you know, their first child. So I'm a, I'm a pop pop. And, you know, so oh. I, I have to, yeah, right. Totally. Oh my God. You, you never think like not life could get better, but dude, it like, wow, completely next level. Wow. Um, well, congratulations on that. That's really, that's you. awesome. Uh, you know, so you have to take that time. And so we're very calculated when I say, Hey, I'm, I'm going out West to see them. I'm going to be gone for three days. So, um, first thing out of Amanda's mouth is, are you driving? Are you flying? So this way she can calculate, I can get him on the phone if I need, he'll have his computer, his laptop. So if we're, you know, I like to drive because I mean, airlines is too much drama now. Uh, I, I would not be a good uh, passenger if I was, on there with somebody like flipping out because I'd be the person that would go up and like choke them and drag them all <laughs> <for the> cops, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, for making everyone else miss the flight. Cause I think it's just so disrespectful. But with that said, um, you know, so then you take my wife, you know, so then she's like, okay, we've got a, you know, 12 or 14 hour drive. So why don't you let me start during business hours, you know, so you can have your phone and you can be working, you can be taking phone calls and this and that, this way you're not texting and driving. And then, uh, so that's great communication there. And then, um, you know, like Amanda knows from, you know, my daughter plays field hockey, uh, division one field hockey. So she has a rigorous uh, travel schedule. Um, and so, you know, she knows from August until November, you know, usually from Thursday to Sunday, I'm not around, you know, and I'm definitely during game time, you know, my phone is, you know, under my lap, I'm taking pictures of, of that. And, you know, so she knows, you know, don't disturb me or anything. And so we'll, you know, it's just, uh, it's really good scheduling. So that I think is the key component, the scheduling part, because another thing that I think sort of, uh, it's called amateur entrepreneurs, people that want to be successful. They're just getting started. They're dabbling in, in business or trying to make a business. They don't understand the, how important scheduling is, and they probably don't use a calendar yet. Uh, do you have any, like, I, I imagine with your, with your schedule, with your calendar, with all those things, you, you've been sticking to a pretty rigid routine. Could, could you uh, shed some light on sort of like what routine does for you and how that, how that's benefited your, your life and your business routines, how you become successful. Um, you know, you, you have to, again, it really comes down to, um, self-respect and, um, we will, when, when Amanda's setting up calls, you know, my schedule is just as important to the next guy's schedule. And I don't, I don't care if it was president Trump, you know, um, now I, I might, you know, take, be like, Oh, Hey, I got to take this phone call, <laughs> you know, but at the same, at the same time, you know, because if I was to move my schedule for you, for him, that would be disrespectful for you. Right. So now you could be thinking, well, he's a dick. So it's, it's, it's a level for me. I run everything off the level of respect. So mm. I respect you again, no matter how small or how big you are as a business person. 
And I don't work with people that disrespect me for, you know, maybe they have a bigger media company or, or a bigger podcast or, or a bigger coffee company, whatever, you know, uh, it, again, at the end of the day, I'm the owner, (laughs) you're the owner. So we should be able to talk. If you think you're up here and you think I'm down here, you're generally not going to get my time because bro, you don't know everything I own. You're just looking at a coffee company. (laughs) That's less than, that's a little over two months old. So you're at a 12, I need you at a two, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So that's all reality, you know? And, and so scheduling is huge. Like you have to work your calendar. You have to be okay with telling people no or telling people, I can't, I can only talk to you Tuesday. Um, and if those people are like, no, I need it now, do not take that call because they are going to be a complete pain in your ass because they have zero respect for you. If they truly wanted you and your knowledge or your company or whatever, they will wait till Tuesday because they know how busy you are and they want you. So if someone was to say, well, I need, I need you now. And if you hurry and move your stuff around, then that person has you by the balls, the rest of your relationship, because they will expect you to bend over backwards for them, no matter what, if it's, no matter what their level is, a customer all the way up to another, another business owner. If you don't value your time is as as important as theirs. So let me tell you another, another issue that we didn't touch on. Do you know where another uh, big, where, where these small entrepreneurs fail? Tell me about it. A small entrepreneur goes from, you know, working a, a nine to five, right? So they're, they're getting that paycheck. They're getting whatever they get every single week, two weeks or whatever. All of a sudden you become an entrepreneur and let's say you open up a cafe. And so your first, first weeks of business, or maybe your first day, you literally quadruple or a hundred times make what you did in that paycheck. What's a small entrepreneur think? Man, I'm banking. I just bank, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, they spend it all because <laughs> they don't understand. Like, listen, in all reality, you're going to technically be making less that, than what you were from your nine to five. But all of a sudden, they see this huge influx of cash for whatever they're doing. But then they forgot that. They got to buy material. They have employees. They've got rent. They've got internet. They've got electric. They've got gas. They've got food costs. They got whatever else. So that thousand, if they're used to making a hundred bucks a week and they make that thousand dollars in that one day, yeah, there might only be like $10 that might be yours, but they go and spend that thousand. So that's one thing that I try to really push uh, when I'm mentoring entrepreneurs is, dude, you need to save. You need to save and assume that the economy is going to tank so that you can keep going and you need to be able to adapt. You got to be like that. You know, you got to be able to roll with it. And while everyone else is scrambling and crashing, you can just chill, but you got the, you got the cash to, to, uh, to weather the storm. I think that is, I'm really glad you brought that up because I've started to notice that a lot more. It's really the difference between short-term thinking versus long-term thinking and also like goals versus systems. Yep. Like you understand that your business is not just the goal to make a hundred or a thousand dollars in a day. It's a system to continue to making money. And then when you put that system under stress, which is just being in the environment, uh, 
then it's just natural that there are going to be good days and bad days. And you have to be basically prepared for the worst all the time. Like you just yeah. mentioned, that way you can weather the storm and survive. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they, they overlook that. And then, you know, usually they, like one of the most common ways business goes out of business is their fixed costs kill them. Uh, because their, their fixed costs stay the same. Uh, but the, you know, sales slow down or sales increase. And, uh, you know, when the slowdown happens, they're not prepared to continue paying their bills because they're, yeah. they're basically planning for their, their sales to always go up or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, they don't. <laughs> yeah, they don't. There's always, it, it, it's like the weather, you know what I mean? Or day and night, like there's day and there's night, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's never going to be uh, good all the time. So, so essentially preparing for the worst. And yeah. One thing that usually comes out of this, I think, or at least a lot of people's first reaction to, to that sort of uh, thinking is like, oh, wasn't that pessimistic? Yeah, you know, like, isn't that pessimistic? What, how, what would you say to that? I'd say you're a fool. Um, because, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you have to be a realist. So when I'm, when I'm calculating, I'm getting a new project and I'm calculating numbers, man, I am so conservative. Like, uh, no different if it's with the coffee company or, or construction or whatever, you know, I always love like somebody will, and, and first of all, like I hate business plans. I hate business plans. I think they're so stupid. Do me an outline, do me a business outline. Uh, you know, show me your, you know, your, uh, your different levels of what you're going to do. I want, I want to know everything about it. I want to know you put your homework in, but I would always laugh. Some of it would be like, uh, competition. Like they put in their business plan competition and they put like Cracker Barrel or, or some other like uh, Starbucks. <laughs> and I'm like, um, no, you're not on their radar. No, you're not their competition. And no, they're not yours. Uh, you know, I'm looking at other, what are other small boutique cafes that are competition because Starbucks is a model, you know, it's their cookie cutter. You're not, you have a specific, you know, menu and a full cook and, you know, this is your decor and it's not theirs. So I think the educational side and, and not so much from a college educational side, but understanding what your business is. And uh, that really is one thing that entrepreneurs really need to learn. And what's frustrating is, is again, none, none of these business gurus, they don't teach that. Um, they don't get down to the nuts and bolts. All about it is, is I want to sell a thousand tickets to my business guru thing at, you know, thousand bucks or two or five or 10 or whatever it is. And, and listen, at the end of the day, I'm a capitalist. So if they can sell that freaking great job, man, that I, I love it. You're doing, you're killing it. But at the end of the day, um, are you really helping? Um, like, oh my God, like these real estate gurus. They, they, they fly into town, they go to a Motel 8, and they've got 100 people, you know, for 2,500 bucks to teach them how to uh, flip real estate. Dude, you're in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. It's like a mini Chicago. <laughs> like, you ain't flipping crap. So, you know, but the problem is, is that they're not feeding off of successful entrepreneurs. uh uh successful entrepreneurs are looking at that guy like what a fool it's feeding off of the people that are trying to move up the ladder and don't know any better 
So they're watching reality TV or they're watching these things or they're looking at Instagram and they're, they're looking at this guy on there and thinking, Oh my God, he's coming. I got to listen to him. Well, dude, listen, first of all, he's not even the most successful realtor where he's at. He's got a TV show. There's other people, other real realtors that don't have a TV show that are doing, you know, a hundred million more than him a year. You know, they're not going around and speaking because they're selling, like they're working. You know, this guy is out selling his platform and he's not even the most successful, but we get in that TV bug and it's like, hell, why didn't you just pay a hundred bucks to go get a picture with him? <laughs> you know, cause that's really all you want. Like you want, cause he's not going to teach you anything, you know, because he doesn't know that market, but these, these, and I'm, and I'm breaking the balls of the real estate guys right now, but you know, they go around and they travel around the country and they do these seminars, but they don't know the market they're doing the seminars in. And it's all about, Oh, well upcharge and buy my next class or upcharge and buy my CD or my DVD or, you know, VHS or whatever, you know, depending on how old they are, but it's so full of crap. But these, these young entrepreneurs don't have any mentors to be able, because as a society, like when I was, when I was doing my construction and I got into things, I talked and, and friended other people in the construction industry, you know, not saying that I followed all of their, um, their advice, but I talked to them within there. And I went, what I did was I didn't go to guys, my level. I went to guys that were up here because they were more eager to talk to me because they were doing a hundred million a year and they looked at me as like a little turd. So they'll give me all the information I want. I'm not competition. But if you put another hundred million dollar company beside another hundred million dollar company, they're sure in the hell not going to be sharing, you know, insight, but they would talk to me all day. And so I have a personality that I just go up to talk to random people. Now, even with my illness, like I go up and talk to people and put it on my Instagram and tell a story and all that. And so I did the same thing. And I've always taken that philosophy. You know, when I wanted to get into the food business, I talked to other successful restaurants. I sure in hell didn't talk to them in the area that I wanted to put mine <laughs> because they weren't going to tell me anything. But I got knowledge from other people within the industry outside of where I lived. But these people, we don't talk to one another. So um, they think that they're going to go and, you know, another random entrepreneur is going to give them good advice. What the hell advice are they going to give you? They don't even know your market. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think uh, that's so important. And really what it comes down to is listening to people who have what you want, right? right. Because when you're talking about those real estate gurus, uh, you know, if you're talking about, if you want to flip houses, you should learn from someone who's flipping houses in your market, not good, the real estate guru who's actually just selling information. You, know what Absolutely. I mean? you don't want to sell information. If you want to sell information, go learn that guy's marketing techniques and his strategies and how he upsells and all that stuff. But if you want to learn real estate, you got to go to the guy who has what you want. Yes. Um, yes. And you don't love it or hate it. I actually learned that idea from network marketing. I know it's brutal, but <laughs> you know, don't get me think what you can. Network marketing is a real, I mean, here's a, here's a problem. I wish there was something good for people with network marketing. Because, you know, like Tattered Beans, Tattered Beans is a positive, influential sub-product of network marketing. Mm -hmm. I call it a sub-product is because I don't make people do the crap 
that they do as far as investing and buying sample packs and this and that, or, or making them, you know, buy so much stuff a month or anything like that. But what I'm giving people is the ability to make money like it. Use your social media, use your inner networks to make you money. Um, and that's where I'm a sub product and tattered beans is a sub product of the, the, uh, multi-level marketing. Yeah. And, and, uh, I think that's the best way to go about it. And I think that's a hard lesson that a lot of people in, in network marketing learn is, is ultimately like what I, um, uh, what I like about network marketing is that it, it gives people sort of the mental exposure to entrepreneurship. It gives them the opportunity to imagine if they own their own business, you know, how they would go about talking to their friends and family members and getting clients and organizing with their peers. And, uh, you know, it, it's really like a soft entry into, into business. Uh, but can I ask you a question? Sure. Who is the one per or the, the one group of people you shouldn't go to when starting a business? Oh, your closest friends and family. Absolutely. And I hate that. I, I teach that through and through with people. Cause that's the first people. And I say, listen, they're going to be the first people to let you down. They're going to be the first people to take from, they expect everything from you. Now that you're a business owner, they're going to, if you own a restaurant, they're going to want to come and eat for free. If you're selling t-shirts, I'll oh, give me a free t-shirt or, you know, donate to my, my cause or, or whatever, but they're going to be the last person to buy your product. Mm -hmm. And listen, I'm, you know, I, again, I'm brutally honest. When I had started Tatter Beans, I had, I had, you know, done my due diligence to, put it out on all my military friends and I had one out of 40, one sign up and mm -hmm. put a profile on the, on the site. Yeah. They'll say, Hey, you're doing amazing, Jason. Love what yeah. you do. Oh, you sign up on the website. Oh, I'll get to it. Yeah, I'll get to it. Yep. So the problem is Patrick is that the young entrepreneurs, what that does is that divides your family. That divides you. So that's why I teach that so much is don't go after them. Do your grassroots. Go and shake hands, kiss babies, do whatever you need to do. But that's how you need to grow your business organically. Um, and then, oh my God, another thing. You know, we had talked about, we had talked about, um, you know, Instagram and, and social media and all this and that. And everybody, everybody, tell me if you, if you agree or not, everybody thinks that their thing is going to be a national product. I'm going to start a, a t-shirt company and I'm going to be a national product because yeah, I'm the on new brand. Instagram, yeah. Right. I'm on Instagram and I'm on Facebook and I got friends here and there and, and then they're not, and they don't understand why. And it's because, you know, it takes time because, you know, it takes time to build that up. You might sell one or two to Cal, if you're in Pennsylvania, one or two to California, but unless you are truly set that, set that way up and you've got that network built out in those different areas, then at that point it will grow uh, to be a national product. But I always explained is build regionally first, get your market, test it, figure out your pricing because you have to look, there's a lot of calculations that you have to go through when you want to expand. 
you've got, you know, new shipping costs, you've got, you know, uh, new marketing cost. Um, and you know, look at Facebook and Instagram and all the different platforms. It's now you, your own friends can't even see your stuff. You have to pay for your own friends to see your, your stuff, like your own friends. If you've got 600 friends on Facebook, you got to pay for them to see your stuff. I mean, Hey, great, great marketing, great business plan. I mean, you know, that's awesome. But from a business standpoint, that's why people don't understand like, well, I've got, you know, 10,000 friends on, on Instagram, you know, I'm going to sell 10,000 products. No, you might sell 10. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I mean, ultimately, uh, if you have 10,000, you know, people on Instagram that you think you're going to sell a product to it, actually, you know, that's like starting at zero once you launch the business. Cause they only, if they don't know you as having the business, they don't know they, they're not going to pay attention to your business it's only the friends or uh, followers that you accumulate when you're in business doing what you're doing putting that out to the world that those are your real uh, followers or your real customers or buyers or just supporters in general and I think the big thing too is is it's a shame because now the platforms that that used to work even five years ago um, have really curtailed a lot of those scenarios on being successful um, because they're, and again, I, I totally get it from a financial standpoint. They had to, like they saw, they saw their, they were questioning how can we become profitable? You know, they're having, you know, Facebook and Instagram, they're having to go to their shareholders. How do we become profitable? How do we do it? And they don't, they can't charge a membership. They can't, they 100% because people will just flat out be like, screw you. I'm not using it. You know? Um, and then it will boycott, but they feed off people's ego. And so they feed off the up and coming small entrepreneur who wants to get their brand out there. So they're going to spend a thousand bucks to be sponsored. But again, you know, even with my coffee, people look at us being from Lancaster and they wonder, well, why in the, I live in Hawaii. Why in the hell am I going to buy coffee from Lancaster, Pennsylvania and, and charge nine bucks for shipping? We'll do it because I have a mission and I have a cause, mm -hmm. right? So from a, from a business standpoint, you know, it's easy for me because I put something with my product to entice them to buy. And comparatively to a t-shirt or something like that, that they don't need so they're not going to spend that extra shipping or unless they directly are tied and, and maybe know someone or whatever but they're not going to do that so it, you know to pay that thousand dollars to be sponsored for what what you're going to sell you're going to sell something to someone in turkey or you know hawaii and you're stationed in florida like maybe in five years when other people in Hawaii see someone else to buy your shirt, you know, and see your shirt downtown or something like that, but not right off the bat, but there comes that patience thing. Like, can you, yeah. can you build yourself organically so people can see, you know, more content people can see, like we're getting ready to do a, a pretty awesome um, uh, content video, you know, for the company. And, uh, and again, no one else has done it. You know, you have to think outside the box. So we're putting together, putting together this really awesome video, but it will, it will show how we're a, not only a national, but a worldwide company. 
and I'm only two months old. That's incredible. Well, what's, uh, I'm curious. First off, I just noticed we, we blew by an hour, you know what I mean? Like we're, we're flying right now. No, don't be sorry at all. Uh, I'm loving this conversation um, and, and appreciate your time. So let me know if, if uh, you got to run, but um, I'm curious to learn uh, about sort of how would you take that approach to, because we're talking about patients, we're talking about patients as being, you know, starting small. We've talked about the small goals. We've talked about, you know, working your way up to a big, you know, nationwide thing. How do you take this approach with your marketing to, you know, appear as an international company, you know, when you're only two months in? How do, how do you successfully navigate those waters? Um, for, for us, it was basically the mission. Uh, again, very easily uh, showed that we were a, a national business because we had uh, veterans from all over the country on our website so we're they already know that well if i have if i'm in lancaster pennsylvania and, and one of our envoys is in california we're shipping to california if one of our envoys is in hawaii we're shipping to hawaii uh we're for florida um they see that we have active duty and that we ship to the uh apos so i mean they know that we ship overseas um and our faqs um so and and same with the first responders i mean i think we've got 11 fire companies uh on there and you know those guys are always looking to fundraise they're you know uh they're volunteer and even you know uh city you know companies you know their budgets are always being cut and they're always you know laying people off and um you know why the politicians are taking a raise <laughs> but mm -hmm. you know uh i just had to throw that jab that's a whole other podcast uh, we can do yeah, that. i know right <laughs> um you know so from that scenario it uh you know you have to look at these different uh, the, the different capabilities that social media and perception um, that is reality. Again, so many websites, you know, they, 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 they're cookie cutter or they look at, they do a certain thing. And, and again, everyone, you know, like, Oh, well, I'm, you know, so big and I'm, I'm doing this and I'm sending shirts here and I'm, you know, sending shirts there. And, and in all reality, it's like, no, you send it to your buddy over here and you send it to your buddy over there, you know, um, again, what's your cost? You know, what's your overhead? Are you, you know, we send out a ton of free product. I mean, when we're, when we're talking to an ally, you know, to, to partner with us, I mean, you know, we're giving them a ton of free product. Um, are you budgeting and adding to your, your scenario? You know, so not only are you paying to, um, be, you know, sponsoring your stuff on social media, but now you're trying to make yourself this national brand and you're, you know, you're having to give product away. So now you've got shipping costs, product costs that you have to take care of. Did you figure that into your business model? You know, how much are you giving away to try to grow your brand? Because you have to literally budget that into your business model. And, and a lot of companies, don't do that. We did that with the cafes. You know, whenever we were looking to do, um, whenever we were looking to do um, like banquets or anything like that, you know, we would bring people in and we would feed them for free. You know, we had to do that. So are you figuring that into your budget items? And a lot of people don't. So then they wonder like, well, shit, where did that thousand bucks go? Yeah. <laughs> 
mean? You know, you sent out 100 free T-shirts, $300 in shipping. There's 1,300 bucks you're out. Did you figure that in? And a lot of young entrepreneurs aren't going to do that. They're not going to know where to put that to put that money or that time and effort. And tell me this, when you do that, is it quality? Like, are you sending it to quality people? That's, uh, I imagine when you're giving away free stuff, you got to do it in a very calculated, uh, strategic way. How, how do you determine if like you're, you want someone to sample some product, how do you determine it if that sample is, is going to really, uh, you know, basically meet the budget that you built around it? You know what I mean? Is, is it really going to be worth that free product? Absolutely. Well, you know, we have an allies page. And we have an envoys page. So we have envoys and athletes that we, you know, sponsor. So sometimes that sponsorship might be, I get, you know, buy their hotel or, or we set up a booth at their event or, um, but I always, and, and this is different comparative to other companies. Like I don't make our envoys or athletes buy my coffee, even at 50%. Like, listen, you're, as long as you're adhering to our uh, deal memo, like I'm good with giving you free coffee. Um, I don't have a problem with that. But, you know, you have to adhere to it. You know, we expect you to be posting and, and I don't want it to look like a sales pitch. Like I want things to be real uh, because at, that, at the end of the day, that's what I want the, the most of is, is being real. And that's like, listen, that's like my, you know, um, with anything, you know, for me, it's about transparency, being real. Um, and that's the, that's the toughest thing that I find nowadays. Listen, even with my own personal Instagram, I got 41,000 followers. Half of those people probably don't even know who the hell I am. They're from all over the world. Um, they, most of them don't even respond to stuff. They don't comment or something like that. Um, but when you put all these hashtags and this and that, and, and you'll get, you know, like if we do a cool video, I might get four or 500 new followers and then, you know, they'll drop off and, but, to me, it's not about the followers and too many young companies because um, it's huge. It's, it's big to get to your envoys or athletes and stuff like that. So we follow the same trend as anyone else. But what we look for is their quality of their person. Not how many followers. Hell, we've got, we've got a couple envoys that only got like 1,000 or 2,000 followers. But you know what? They're nice people. And mm. they have a great community within where they're physically at so one might be a police officer but you know they've got a great like stronghold of who they are as a person and so i don't really give a crap if they got eighty thousand followers because you and i all know that's most of all crap even like i like i said like mine you know out of the 40 some thousand i got who the hell knows who you know who's real who's not you know i don't yeah, know yeah what? I don't even check. I don't even care. I, so from what you just said right there, and, and I've been thinking about it um, from a variety of the things that you said on this uh, conversation is that what I noticed is that you have like a value system that is very counterintuitive, which I think it's a good place to, to sort of really benchmark here. It's, it's like having values over your time, but not giving it away for free. And not, you know, sort of having everyone value your time the way that you uh, have set the value. Having value on followers, not just on the quantity, but of the quality. Um, and I, 
I think it's really just something that a lot of entrepreneurs aren't thinking of, which is like coming from a place of values and not from a place of like, you know, just looking at big numbers, you know, not looking at just how many followers can I get or how much money can I make? Um, more so like the quality of those followers, the quality of that money is so overlooked. You hit it. You hit it right there. I, I talked to three young entrepreneurs who are up and coming in a particular business. And they said to me, man, we're just so busy. We got a million things going on. And I said to him, I'm like, is it a million things that just keeping you busy? I said, because I could do one thing <laughs> and just kill it. So do you have a million things that are just dividing you all up and not making you any money? Because, and again, maybe it's my age. Like I'm done at throwing a hundred things at the wall and looking for one thing to stick. Like mm -hmm. you grab it, grab the bull by the horns and go. If you love it, you'll be successful at it. No matter what. It doesn't matter if you're the hundredth, you know, uh, widget in the game. If you love it more and you give your widget more time than the other 99 people, you will succeed. You may not succeed at the same level as the number one guy because he might have 20 years, but you will succeed at the level that you want to succeed. And it doesn't matter if you're the hundredth person in the game, but because you might bring something to the table that's new, you might bring you know, love, more love to the table compared to the other 99 guys. Um, because look at how many people want to get into a business because someone, they see someone else making money at it. So they want to hurry and jump in the game. Well, they, you know what, you've got to take 50% of those. They don't even know what the hell they're doing. They just might, they might've had a little bit of money and they figured that Tom over here is making, you know, money on, you know, selling cow manure. So I'm going to jump in and selling the cow manure game you don't know what Tom knows. You just yeah, see, you, th you it's think. It's starting with the wrong values. It's starting exactly. with the value of like, I want to make money because he's making that money. Not because, not, I want to make money in that industry, selling that product because I love that industry, that product and that service or whatever. There you go. And that's the difference. So like, if I circled like what you just said and circled it all the way back to the things that I, to the things that I made millions on, I cherished and loved them. Like I wanted to do them, um, no matter what the outcome or, or the controversies or whatever, like I was going to do them because I was passionate about that. And then there were other businesses that I lost investment on because I gave someone else money and I partnered with them, but I didn't give them the mentorship or I didn't give the business the time that it needed. Um, and I lost my ass on it. And you know what? That goes right back to what you and I just said. I went into it from a money standpoint, not a passion standpoint. If you're passionate about something, you'll be able to weather the storms. You're going to always love it. You're going to want to keep killing it. And you're always going to constantly grow that business. But if it's just money and that's it, what ends up happening is when that business isn't making money, you're pissed off at it. And then all of a sudden you don't like it and then you want to dump it or you close it or something like that. Huge difference. Huge, huge difference. And like with tattered beans, it's a passion. It's a mission. So we will become an enormous coffee company because it's, I love it, you know? Um, and I know that we are the only one doing it. So, I mean, I, and listen, 
I'm the type of business I would love if more people would do my exact plan because then money would actually be getting back in the, in the pockets of people. I have said, if, if my numbers track the way they're supposed to, at the end, my, my first big goal for the company, I will have given back $4 million to vets, active duty, or first responders. Simple. It's just, a, but by doing it the way that I'm doing it, is physically putting money back in their pockets. And listen, I love that there's companies out there, don't get me wrong, that are supporting you know um, those three groups. Because at the end of the day, if they're given a t-shirt, like you buy a t-shirt, they give a t-shirt, you buy socks, they give socks or a sign or whatever, or coffee. Like, listen, that company's still investing in giving them something. So, you know, I would never, ever break their balls because you know what? Thumbs up to those guys. Because at the end of the day, it's still, there is still hard cost there. Like there still is cost to that t-shirt that you are freely giving to someone. So great job. My only business concept and thought process is, is that I can't take that t-shirt down to the local Sunoco and ask them, can I get $4 in, in fuel, but I'll trade you this t-shirt. They're not going to say no. <laughs> but once I cut them a $4 check for, because someone bought coffee under their profile, they'll be able to take that four bucks and be like, listen, I want a soda and some candy bars <laughs> with that four bucks. Or I'm going to put four bucks in my gas. Or like some of the entrepreneurial, more entrepreneurial side of our bets. We had one guy that was, that was on there a couple of weeks. He made like 85 bucks. Another guy, he didn't want any of his money. He wanted, um, he wanted it sent to a charity. So we, you know, his $50 went to his charity in, in care of his name. You know, because we give that, we give the, the vets the option. You know, some vets are doing great. They're like, yeah, we totally love your mission, but we're not going to be on your website. I'm like, why? They said, because we're doing good. We don't need the money. So I came up with the concept. I said, all right, well, what if I give you multiple options to, to still be on the website, but you can keep your money, you can give it to another vet, you can give it to an organization that we work with, or you can give it to an organization you work with. They're like, dude, sign me up. That's incredible. That's great. Uh, well, Jason, man, I'm so, yeah, and I can tell that you're, you've been implementing thinking outside the box a lot in your company. I'm super excited to see where this thing goes and uh, just, you know, and I'm really excited to try the product myself as, as an avid coffee addict. Uh, I'm going to order some bags and, uh, and, and that will fuel the knowledge of our college podcast. We'll send, hey, we'll send you some samples too. Oh yeah, the man. <laughs> <laughs> I value samples. See, this is, this is good marketing. Um, Jason, man, before we wrap up, is there anything that you want to uh, share with the audience? Any final asks or requests or, or anything like that? Any parting words? I think if you're, you have a lot of entrepreneurs that are reached that, that you reach. And, and I think the, the one big thing is that I would say to all entrepreneurs is that don't ever stop dreaming you know, be that dreamer. Like, you know, you can be the next big thing and, but do it because you love it. Don't think that you're going to be the next big thing because you assume that this person's making a lot of money at it because you're going to fail. You're going to fail so incredibly hard. It's not even funny, but if you have passion, you're going to probably have more passion than the next guy beside you. 
and you'll be successful, but give it time. Love it, and man. Then, and then go to tatterbeans.com and buy some coffee. <laughs> Even better. Well, you, you heard the man. Go to Tatterbeans, buy some coffee, support uh, first responders, active duty, veterans. And uh, when you run your business, operate it out of passion, out of love, and out of real values, not just for followers or for dollars or whatever. So, Jason, man, thank you so much. Like the dollars. Yeah, will yeah. The dollar. It's just an energy flow thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, you know, it's not the end all be all. It's just you know, the dollars will come if, if you're coming from the right place and you're building the right value and and doing the right things. Well, thank you awesome. so much for having me on, man. I just, this was, this was probably one of my, the funnest ones I've had, uh, you know, transparent, you know, you gotta be, you gotta own your shit. You gotta be true as a person, you know, uh, live your ups and, and talk about your downs. Um, and you know, everything, listen, as long as you're able to put your feet on the ground the next day, life's good, man. Life is good. That's right, man. That's right. Well, Jason, man, uh, we, we should do this again sometime. I feel like I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours. And so, um, you know, let's do it. And, and, uh, and again, good luck with the business. I'm dying to see where it goes. And maybe once we get some, some more updates and some more progress, we can have you back on the share. Absolutely. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Anytime. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, please hit the subscribe button and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at KWC pod on Instagram at knowledge without college podcast. You can find me Patrick Butler at Patrick Butler zero zero on Instagram and Twitter. I encourage you to send over any feedback you have. If there's any guests you'd like to hear on the show, any topics you'd want to hear discussed. I want to know about it. I want to hear your feedback and opinions. So please Help me make this a better experience for you. And I look forward to hearing from you. Have an excellent day and thanks for listening.